If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hello, everyone. Hello. I'm talking even though I'm not sure if we're live yet because I can't see it on my end yet. <laughs> I'm taking Nick's word for it and this is going to make me look very silly. Okay, I see myself. There you are. Hello, welcome to Slightly Something Else, everyone. I'm Yahtzee Croshaw and this is not Jack Packard. I am not Jack. I have hair. My name is Nick Calandro, the editor-in-chief of The Escapist. Do throw in shade again. <laughs> He was throwing all kinds of shade before we went live. You don't even know. Yes, Jack's Jack's out. Jack's away. He had more important matters. Some obligation related to, I don't know, being really bald. Yes. He's got to shave his head when he's not, not on stream with us. It's like a constant thing for him. He's either shaving his head or getting coffee. Or mixing mm. some type of juice with coffee. But Nick has stepped in to handle this week's Nightly Something Else. And this week's Nightly Something Else is on the subject of hype. Which raises the initial question for me, Nick. Yeah. Why don't people ever learn? You know, I I don't know. And I felt like after Anthem, people might have learned and then Cyberpunk came along. And then I was like, well, okay, I guess we're going to go through this again. <laughs> and and it still happens. What, what's, what are right. they hyping up now? Uh... Well, you've got Elden Ring, which anytime any bit of info comes out, you got Starfield, and then like even like the the Battlefield Six community managers were like, "Hey, chill out. We're going to show you the game soon. Stop getting so angry about not seeing it yet." See that? <laughs> that raises like the first thing about hype is that it's not always the fault of the person making the thing that's being hyped. Right. I mean, often it is. Often the publisher pushes it. I think that was. That was the case with No Man's Sky, I want to say. Yep. Cause, yeah, because uh, the developers were just thinking, hey, let's make this nice little space explorer thing that's just chill. Mm -hmm. And then for some reason, Sony just completely oversold it. Well, it wasn't really Sony. It was more Sean Murray kind of making promises that f for a game that really didn't exist yet. And now, now it does. Mm. But... Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, like, it was a headliner game for their showcases, and, like, I don't know where, you know, either Sean was telling Sony that, you know, hey, this is all stuff that exists, and it wasn't really there, or, or you know, whatever. Um, but, that, but that was an interesting one that's had, like, a really big turnaround after they actually, you know, finished developing the game and added all this stuff in it. And they're still so adding I've updates heard. now. So I've heard it. It's not going to make me go back and review it again, but I've yeah. heard it's uh, redeemed itself now. I've right. been hearing similar things about Cyberpunk. They say it's maybe like halfway tolerable now. Yeah, I, I, I really wouldn't know. Like, you know, you did you did your review of it and I, I, I started playing it when it came out, but I, I had to put it down and I'm not sure, like this is going to be an interesting talking point because I'm not sure. Well, I think I fell, I fell for the marketing for it a bit uh, because I saw it at E3 and everything, but I'm also not sure if uh, like, I have a different version of that game built in my head that I'm just waiting for. And what's there is really what we're all we're going to ever going to get because well, I, you, <laughs> uh, 
Well, you might be able to provide an interesting perspective then. Yeah. Because obviously I've been working with hype for many years, mm-hmm. uh, mainly by destroying it. <laughs> so <laughs> a lot of it doesn't really work on me anymore. I've seen this happen too many times. Mm-hmm. People get expectations. And I'd be interested to know where this phenomenon comes from. Because as I say, it's not always the, to the creator's fault. Sometimes people just latch on to ideas in their own heads. Yeah, well... I think you you made a point of this when we were at E3 2019. And oh, memories. We, Remember we, when E3s were a thing? <laughs> when E3 existed. Uh, yeah. yeah, but we came, we went to the Dying Light presentation and I came out of that like, oh man, that looked awesome and it didn't feel super scripted to me. And then you came out of <laughs> it and you were like, well, that almost felt fake. <laughs> I was like, oh shit. And now, yeah. of course, we know that it's gone through a lot of development trouble. And so I was like, eh, I should have known better. And I, I've been... You know, since you you've never really done the traditional media stuff, and like you don't really go to the preview events and all that, I have you ever really gone to preview events? Well, not uh, not in general terms. Mm-hmm. I tend to avoid like watching the new trailers that drop. Right, and in, like um, maybe maybe it's bad to admit it, but I can I can tell you like through going to E three like three or four times once they sit me down for one of these games and start explaining all of it. I probably fell asleep more often than not. <laughs> I remember the first one I ever fell asleep at was the Mafia 3 presentation because they were trying to make that game seem super, super interesting. And even during the preview when they were showing it off, it was literally what the final gameplay loop ended up being. Go around, mm-hmm. shoot thing, repeat, side quest, repeat. And I was like, Oops. yeah, with some gimmicks relating to like portioning out the city to your lieutenants that wasn't really that interesting mm-hmm. yeah and yeah you know, well, i felt I, guess... I felt the same thing through cyberpunk when we saw that too i was like this mm. they're hyping it up as like this huge new game that does all these new inventive things and i was like this i mean and we both said it like we came out of there like well it just seems like another looter rpg <laughs> yeah but let's go back to that dying light thing because sure. you didn't you didn't think that looked scripted? Parts of it Cause, did, but... Cause just to like fill in some background here, that, that was what we in the biz call a hands-off presentation. Yep. Where we're all sitting in a big room and someone was playing the game and we were watching them playing the game. Because we only have their word for that, of course. Because they usually they'll, uh, they'll play like what they feel is the most interesting part of the game to show us. Mm-hmm. And usually like they've, been, they've, they've got a script to go through. Right. They'll go through a sequence of events that'll crack off with like perfect timing. And it all makes me terribly suspicious. Yeah. Like if, that was, if that was the experience of the game, they'd just let you play it, right? Right. Uh yeah, I mean I have a bit of a different perspective on that just from doing the documentaries and knowing how how those demos are kind of created. And I mean, like they literally run through those demos like a hundred times so that they yeah. don't fuck up. Um and the only real reason I didn't feel like it was super scripted was A, because, I mean, it looked too good to be true, so I knew it was already a next-gen game before they would say it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second part of that was, like, the original Dying Light's, like, an excellent game, I think. And so, you know, I I didn't... It's It seemed like this was all a natural step forward for them, aside from I didn't really think... Like, all the gameplay, all the movement, everything didn't look crazy. And then they started getting into, like, the story stuff and everything, and I was like, eh, maybe... You know, because not not like the story in Dying Light was anything to write home about. Eh, Dying Light was okay, I'd say. Mm-hmm. I th- yeah. It, so I don't know. It, you know, over the over the years, like of course, you know, I, I started writing about games when I was <laughs> thirteen years old. So 
got into like super hyped at E3 and everything. I remember just being absolutely, absolutely over the moon for Uncharted 2. And obviously the more you do this, the more you learn about how the development process works and, you know, your hype kind of gets balanced out by like, I know what the real expectations are now. Uh, That's how they get you, of course. Yep. How they got you is that you started thinking of them as human beings. Right. You got to meet them and interview them and understand the struggle that goes behind creating a product. You need to stop having sympathy for your fellow man. That's mm. my first tip for dealing with the hype within the games journalism sphere. Yeah, and the doc- the documentary has really opened my eyes to that. Um, and so now I'm like, you know, with Cyberpunk out now, now I'm kind of seeing the same thing like happening with Starfield again, where it's like, we haven't seen a lick of that game yet and everybody's all concerned about, oh, is it going to be exclusive to Xbox? Oh, it's hype, hype, hype. You know, where's the game? Where's the game? And it's like, just let them yes. work on the damn thing. Of course, I am an unfeeling monster <laughs> with a flawless computerized mind. Mm-hmm. And I make a policy of analyzing the game as it's presented and as it comes out. Right. That's why I tend to avoid hype. So what are they saying about Starfield now anyway? Nothing really. It's just more people. I think you know, really the anticipation behind that is just, you know, being really excited to see it. And, and a lot of people are like kind of getting angry that we haven't seen it yet um, because everybody's all worried about, you know, is it an Xbox exclusive or not? Because Microsoft owns Bethesda now. Are they uh, and now and now like people are getting hyped up about the rumor that it's coming out in the first quarter of 2022. Uh, but I mean, people are ex- astronomically excited for a game that just we don't know anything about yet. And uh, if Bethesda's, I mean, Bethesda's reputation has been severely damaged by how fallout 76 was handled. Well, quite. And but so this is in space. You don't, you don't yeah. get it. This is, is in space. Right. And you'll and, be able to go around space in a spaceship. Yeah. Just like star citizen. Yeah. Which is another good example of something being created more in people's minds than in reality. Yeah, well, yeah. Is there, like a, <laughs> is there a psychology there? Is there a discussion to be had about? Is it just that the modern world is so shitty that people latch onto any promise of a better vision? I mean, that's a bit, that's a bit heavy to throw at you. Yeah. I don't know. Where I'm yeah, I don't know if it has to do with that. I just think it has to do like I can't get too cynical about the hype because I, you know, it's like people are imagining these, uh, you know, awesome games and expansive worlds and all that. And just, I think a lot of it is maybe um, partially that like the development cycle isn't very open and it's not like mm. a lot of people really pay attention to the challenges developers go through. Uh, and you, and you can even see that in the comments on like on our documentaries and stuff where people are like, you know, oh, wow, I never knew they went through all this stuff. And uh, this divinity original sin documentary really opened people's eyes. at just how tough it is to, to win uh, and now they, you know, now that Divinity Original Sin is out and everybody loves it, you know, they have to manage expectations for Baldur's Gate 3. Oh, wow. It's just more expectations, isn't it? I mean, that's why there's so much expectations for Cyberpunk, because the developers had made Witcher 3, which was... Right. Which was really everything that was hyped up to be. And also Cyberpunk. Science fiction. There's something about science fiction that just grabs people. And... Was was cyber? I mean, like cyberpunk is is weird one because like the marketing of that reminded me so much of like GTA, like they were trying to mimic GTA, and that's yeah. why I said like I've kind of built this version of the game in my head up that it was supposed to be GTA, but cyberpunk almost with a really deep story uh, based on their experience with The Witcher, and mm. 
you know, I, I haven't finished it. So like, and I know you haven't, I know you enjoyed the story partially at least. Um, but for me is like, you know, when you're in the world and you see people spawning off the side of the street and everything, I'm like, well, I, I expect more from this. <laughs> well, it was relentlessly buggy. Right. Of course. <sighs> what was it about cyberpunk? Because in many ways it was, you could see it was had that sort of GTA vibe. Mm-hmm. But GTA for me means free open world sandbox, just go crazy, blow everything up, however you want. Right. And this was more sort of caught between trying to live up to that model and more to the Deus Ex model, where it's an RPG, where you go from place to place and have significant interactions. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of all highlighted, right, when you when you can't even go to a vendor in the street and buy food or something like that. Mm. And the world is supposed to immerse you in it, and like there's very small details that you can't even interact with which is which is the version of the game that i'm waiting for and right. why i'm like okay i'll just wait till 2022 and i'm you know waiting for the developers to release a roadmap of like here's what we're going to be fixing and maybe they never will and maybe i'm just waiting to play a a, a game that's never going to exist kind of thing well i tend to be immune to hype because i'm of a analytical mindset Mm-hmm. And when I look at these trailers, I'm I'm trying to think, what's the primary leap going to be? How are they going to balance all this? Is there really any appeal in such and such a notion? Mm-hmm. I mean, people like get hyped about this notion about you could have a game where you could literally do anything, go anywhere in the world, <laughs> yeah. and uh, beat up anyone, and it will continue some, somehow. But I'm just thinking, because as you know, I'm uh, uh, focused on primary loop focused game design. I'm just thinking, what do you actually do from moment to moment right people like latch onto red dead redemption because it's the create this living breathing cowboy world where the horse does poos right on your foot and you play that game but what do you actually do from moment to moment to proceed through the game you ride your horse to the place where it says to ride your horse and then you go into a shootout <laughs> yep <laughs> 20 go to 10 and if you're on console have those shoot shootouts feel pretty much automated at this point because all you got to do yeah. is click the trigger and it aims at the guy and shoots him i know you can turn all that off but i mean like <laughs> their controls are so slow and sluggish you don't really want to so as i say uh, you wonder where all this hype comes from yeah i mean it's it's definitely from the marketing point of views of selling people on you know these amazing games uh, I'll tell you what I wonder. How much of the hype is actually real, though, in this day and age? In this day of YouTube reactions where everyone has to have a view? Hmm. How much hype video is genuine hype for something or just performatively pretending to be hype for something in order to secure the clicks? Saying, oh boy, this could have this, this, and this. Or, like, you know, the counter-hype, being performatively counter-hype. Yeah. Like playing the playing the game and it finally comes out and going, it's actually not that good and here's my reasons. You'd better click this very clickbaity headline to find out my reasons. How much of this is real? How much of the demand people make in this hypey sort of way is real demand? How right. many people were genuinely disappointed that there wasn't much of the lady with the big tits in Resident Evil 8? <laughs> How much of that was just memes and performance? Going, oh my god, I want to suck on them giant mummy milkers. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you've been in this business a long time. You know, like, how the, the media... I know, I've, the... Lost, I've lost touch of which part of me is real. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I mean, so the media, you know, the media... It's almost getting into the media cycle, right? Where, like, we... 
the publishers control the access to the games. Yeah. So we have to, and people and people always are always kind of like concerned, like when an embargo drops, right? You see a billion reviews drop at once. Like, well, the embargo dropped. We couldn't talk about it until then. Um, and so I, I mean, yeah, I, I do think there's a lot of performative hype out there where people are building audiences on games that they're excited for. They see that people are coming to them for the information, so they keep feeding information, feeding the hype machine. And, and then, then people and people follow that and somehow internalize it and it and start acting like it's their real views. It's like how you radicalize mm-hmm. someone. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. And then on the other end of that, there's the like you said, the counter hype people were like are constantly overly cynical about games uh, or, you know, a game comes out and they're like, I told you so I told you it was going to suck. And it's like, well, I mean, and then you get like the nuanced in between, in between opinions where I think like, I think Jack and I do that really well. And yeah, I mean, you see that stuff doesn't get talked about on social media a lot or, or take off in views or anything. Cause like we're, our opinions are, are more grounded and like, okay, well there's parts of it I like and there's parts of it I don't like we didn't, sit here and just hype it up and like interestingly like we're gonna have a preview come out tomorrow or even the same thing it's like i wasn't really excited about the game we previewed and now that i've seen it i'm i'm more interested in it uh but you know we're not creating you know like if you can go back and look at our uh our elden ring the escapist show episode where we made fun of the hype machine in that and you know we're calling it the best game it's ever going to be before we've even seen it like a lot of people are trying to do <laughs> yeah I mean, I'd done things like I make gags about being really excited about things. Mm-hmm. Like back in the day when I did my painkiller review, and I was talking about how one gun shoots shurikens and lightning. Oh my god, it's so awesome. <laughs> it's like you're a lightning ninja or something. Mm-hmm. And now like, I still get people saying, are you still excited about this shurikens and lightning thing? Or like... Um, there was a reference to it in a game once where someone, uh, like I think I said, Shurikens and Lightning could only be more awesome if it had tits and was on fire. <laughs> and then Bulletstorm brought out a custom skin for one of the guns that had uh, tits and fire on it. Mm-hmm. People were saying, oh my God, it's a reference to what you said. And I feel like people think I'm more invested than I really am. Right. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, you know, you, you get those comments a lot where like, y- Yasi hates everything, right? And it's like, no, you're just not true yeah <laughs> i just have higher standards than you plebs <laughs> well and i think i think that's like a, a, a fault of the audience too where like you know i mean we we see those comments on facebook all the time like i think our coverage is generally pretty positive and like we're critical but not like just we hate something and you know what you're right i myself am a victim of hype i'm hyped up as the guy who hates everything yeah so I mean, hmm. how how do you manage that? How do you manage that with people's expectations? Where like you are oh, you I... are expected to hate a game so much so that when you love a game, people freak out that it's like, oh my god, Yahtzee actually likes something. I love games all the time. Yep. I mean, at least five games per year. How do I manage that? <laughs> well, I you know people say I'm the guy who hates everything. My attitude is just to sit here being a guy who doesn't hate everything and just letting them be wrong. I suppose. Yeah, that's it. That's how I think of it. And then as far as like the games media goes, we're we're labeled as shills and hype machines. But well, we're also just providing people Well, it, someone, it's like it's like a hard line to cross, right? Because you're you're either providing people the coverage they want to hear, and then when you provide coverage that's more a bit more realistic, a bit more cynical that they don't want to hear, you get roasted for that too. 
Well, there will be someone, I suppose. I mean, I guess yeah. there's a risk here of conflating the whole audience into a single voice when that's not the case. I mean, you say they complain if we like something, they complain if we don't like something, but I feel like those are two different groups of people. Kind of, but it's more of like a push and pull of it, right? You, you try to find a, a thread a line between the two where it's like, you know, I'm not trying to be overly critical, but if I like don't like something, I'm going to be critical of it. If I like something, I'm going to be positive about it. And you, uh, you can worry too much about following the trends, I suppose. You can, but uh, a good example is like you can look at Outriders, right? You mm. you hated the game, hated the, most, the shit out of that one. Yep, and I I quite enjoyed it. And it's I know like, you did. <laughs> we we both get comments like, well, when we did our. Uh, our escapist show episode on it with, I did it with Paris and I was like, you know, we were like, we like outriders. Like there were a lot of comments were like, Oh, your paid show. How much do they pay you for this? How much do they pay you for this? I was like, sorry, yeah. I like the game. <laughs> It'd be nice if like, I always would like it. If publishers paid me money to like games, something like, <laughs> it'd be like, a lot easier. Be nice to learn you know? Yep. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't know how these people imagine how this sort of thing works, but no, no, we don't get paid for nice reviews. Mm-hmm. They're not like holding a hand, slightly behind their backs with a little fistful of money going, oh, how embarrassing. I have accidentally holding this money where anyone could grab it. Sure hope that someone doesn't grab it. That's, that's what the influencer really for. So that, and that kind of, that ties back to your point about like fake hype, right? Because they're paying influencers to hype up their games. Well, yes, there's that. And but, you know, we don't, we, there's no like sinister conspiracy. Oh, no, there's not. It's just like, but people... I think people uncritically look at that stuff a lot too. Like, oh, well, they uh, they announced that they're paying me to hype up game, but you know, I'm hyped about it anyway. So, it just kind of feeds that feedback loop. See, this is where I can't really offer a perspective because mm-hmm. I've been doing this too long, and hype doesn't work on me. So every time I look at hype, my mind is just running through all the questions in the back of my mind, <laughs> going, "What yep. aren't they showing us, and why aren't they showing us it?" Mm-hmm. So what what goes through your mind when you see something that makes you hyped up for something? This is an entirely alien territory to me. I am not from your planet. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that the game that comes to mind for me, at least on a more personal level, is like Halo Infinite. Um, right. I, I, I saw it at E3. I was really excited about you know that game coming back. Uh, oh, my goodness. Master Chief is found in space <laughs> again. Right. Um, I wonder what he's doing in space this time. So the, I, I hope he'll be shooting some monsters. <laughs> well, of course, he's, it's Halo, um, uh, and that and that'll be really great, mm-hmm. will it? But so that that one's been interesting to watch because people are are very interested in that game, and I don't know. I wouldn't say hyped, but. As far as as far as I go, like I saw, you know, when they did the gameplay reveal, and that was really badly received because it didn't look like the most amazing game ever. And mm. for me, like my expectations for Halo, like I'm very excited for the game, but I also have my expectations in check. Where like I'm not expecting Halo to be a ten out of ten game or anything. I just like it looks like a fun game I want to play uh, because I like Halo. Um, but I'm still I've still been critical of it. Like you know the the original reveal was was poorly done uh no i'm not going to pre-order midtown funk uh i don't need to i'm a, I'm a game press person <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh yeah i mean it's 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 a it's a mixture of like being keeping my height keeping my expectations in check for a game like that based on 343's past experiences and like 
cyberpunk like they never really sold me on the games i wasn't really overhyped for that i'm trying to think i'm actually trying to think of a game where like i was just recently where i was just like i have to have this right now i need it right stinking now and i can't really think of one and i think that's well probably not recently because we know we just get given games these days (laughs) yeah yeah because it's our job well, I mean, I, you know, I still get excited about games in that sense. Like, I, just because I get it for free, it doesn't really change my opinion on that. Um, you know, like, but yeah, I can't really think of any game that I was just over, over the moon excited for. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> ah, well, let's, let's ask the question. Do you think hype is a damaging thing? For who? Just in general? Or are you talking more specific? Well, for everyone. Mm-hmm. Is is it harmful to the people who get their expectations driven too high? Are they... Uh, should we just should we blame them for letting their expectations get too high? Were they just fooled and they should have been smarter? They should have... They should have realized? I, I think... It's another thing where like, there's a line to thread. Like, developers want people to be excited about their games that gets them creatively charged and excited to go work if if people are just constantly cynical and hate whatever they're doing like who wants to work on something like that well, um, i don't think if someone had like excessive expectations of my game that would probably make me quite stressed at work well having to having to live up to expectations like that between between excessive expectations and exce- like i'm i'm trying to like find a way to distinct like there's gen- genuine excitement like, hey, this game's coming. I have my expectations in check. I really want to play this. I'm willing to wait and see how it shapes up. Then there's like the more toxic hype where it's like, I I expect this game to be perfect. I want the world from this game. If I don't get what I want, then I'm going to go on social media and make a fuss to the developers about it if it's not absolutely perfect. And I think I think when developers are trying to make something like cyberpunk or, or even like Bethesda's games where they're pretty ambitious, there's lots of systems going on and people expect those games to release like bug free at release be perfect. And I think that that hype can be damaging both to the developers who are like, you know, we're doing our best. We're trying to get this done. Uh, We're trying to do the best we can. It's not with the expectations of games to be perfect on release. Like that's just not going to happen when they keep getting more and more complex well, the reason why they get more and more complex is because of the high expectations. Right. People get hyped up for Cyberpunk, and Cyberpunk probably felt some pressure to be as broad as possible in that mm-hmm. case. Yeah. So in that sense, hype can be damaging to a game. Right. Because and- I'm almost like, don't expect any like massively popular overhyped AAA game to be good, because to my mind, what makes a game good is that it focuses on something. Mm-hmm. And it's almost by design that a game that's trying to be as broad as possible can't focus on anything. Yeah. Uh, well, and we can't break embargo, but there's a game coming up that I, this exact conversation is going to be happening a lot. Really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> is, this, hmm, is this the game we were talking about just earlier? Yes. Uh, okay. Because you're, you're insulated from that hype, but there's a lot of hype yeah, around I, the project, I, and it's not. I wasn't aware, I wasn't aware there was hype much of a profile around this thing i hadn't really heard oh, of it yeah. until you dropped the review code on me they've uh they've released like a bunch of pre-release marketing trailers and mm. lo and behold i did not expect this game to have that much hype behind it but like each of the videos they've released has over a million views which blew my well, mind <laughs> i was like whoa 
well, now that I know this, yep. it explains a lot. <laughs> yeah. It explains how I'm seeing the game has exactly the problem I was talking about, mm-hmm. where it can't focus on anything because it seems to have felt some pressure to be as broad as possible. Yes. Yep. And from the moment you get into that game, and like I, I, I'm excited to actually talk about this with you in possibly two weeks, and it's, uh, we're gonna have a we're gonna have a really weird like, what what happened to this, uh, but yeah, yeah, like you know, doing the documentaries, like I've learned a lot about you know how much pressure is just put on developers to get things right the first time and everything, and it's just that's not how development works, and I th- you know that too because you're a developer. Uh, you're like, well, yes, I mean, um, Starstruck Vagabond is in a constant state of change, right? Because I keep getting like notes, people saying, "Oh, it's not quite good here and here." So I'm, and then suddenly I'll realize, oh, wait a minute, this needs to be here and this needs to be there. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's I think I think a good company to look at where the hype is really going to start damaging them sooner rather than later, most likely, is Sony. Well, if you want to possibly if you want to see like the damaging effect of hype, look at something like Kickstarter. Yeah, that's true. Because that that's an entire engine for converting hype to money when you have no other product to sell yeah kickstarter is an interesting one because like the games that show up on there in a realistic state seem to have a harder time getting funding than the games that just promise over promise promise the world people have such high expectations of things kickstarter things probably a psychological thing there because you put your money into something you don't want to accept the possibility that you made a mistake yeah and yeah <laughs> sunk cost sunk cost fallacy but yeah i mean kick, kickstarter is a problem in its own where like people don't seem to get they're making an investment into a product that's still being made well i was talking about this with jack once i was saying that i kind of prefer the old system where the purse string holders were like editors and uh, producers who had experience with the industry and knew what would work and what could sell and they were the ones that decided whether something got funded rather than just funding coming from a load of uh, laymen who just like the sound of an idea. It felt like that's the, that's the subtraction of actual ability from the decision-making process. It's the removal of experts from the decision-making process. But isn't it... Well, I'm going to challenge you on that. Isn't it better for those projects to be made and maybe not come out, you know, the right... I, I don't know, maybe not be as good as they were supposed to be otherwise? Because, like, kind of what you're, I'm getting from what you're saying is, like... Well, there's, I mean, Kickstarter's a risk. Every time you fund a game on Kickstarter, it's a risk. Yes. If but, if uh, you don't, if you take out that out of the equation, I think we just get more stuff like Call of Duty and and games that open world bloated AAA games that we already know are, are going to be either good or great or you know in between. Well, any investment is a risk. Right. The point I'm making is that it used to be the case that the people making those risks were in some way informed. Mm, okay. Uh. Yeah, I don't know. I, you know, I've I've run a Kickstarter for not a game, but for our documentaries, and you right. know, we we hadn't we didn't have a track record really with making. We had one documentary out that was twenty minutes and didn't have a track record. And if people hadn't taken that risk, like, and I don't know, like it what what we would have. I wouldn't be here today working on the Escapist if if they hadn't done that. Um, and I, I kind of feel like the same way with games is better. I, th- I think if you're going on Kickstarter, like you just have to, you just have to kind of accept that people aren't going to understand the development process and are buying into the idea of what you're making. 
Right. So the promise of Kickstarter sort of falls apart on the end of the person doing the kickstart if they don't know what they're doing yeah you have to assume the person doing the kickstarter knows what they're doing Mm -hmm. without any real evidence yeah but more like i want to get back to the sony part though because sony sony's expect you've seen this with days gone where and you didn't you didn't really like days gone i'm kind of lukewarm on it but i I, I'm I'm kind of lukewarm on it. I enjoy the story, but like I know it's not nothing special in the open world yeah, department it, or whatever. It, it was an open world stealth action game with crafting and collectibles, and the main character was a complete twat. <laughs> I disagree with that, but that's a game that was relatively. I mean, it was it was good for what it was. I think it was didn't do anything special. It was generic, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but Sony's kind of putting out this thing where it's like if our game doesn't hit eight, nine, or ten. Then it's not worth us to do anymore, and that's and you know they shelved the sequel to Days Gone, uh, be, you know. So I think like it's almost like the publishers are feeding into that hype too, where like if not enough, because the game the game sold well, it was profitable. It just wasn't good enough in the eyes of critics. Well, quite broadness is where the money is. Personally, right. I think the most interesting games are the games that get half really really positive reviews and half really really ne- negative reviews. Yeah, that's probably a game worth talking about. Hmm. like these like uh sony demand for just like seven out of tens right well whatever so you know you know what's interesting about that is like xbox is kind of that where they they shoot yeah. they throw stuff at the wall and kind of see what works and does all these different interesting things while sony's kind of built a formula for themselves um and- yeah now you mention it i mean look at all sony's exclusives oh yeah they're all I mean- they're all open world cinematic action adventure with elements of stealth all of them now yeah almost every single one of them i think ratchet and clank yeah. and i mean not all of them like we just got returnal which is quite unique and different for sony and then you got ratchet and clank which is a you know more of a uh, traditional yeah. adventure game and you have but dreams until, and yeah up until recently though you got days gone you got horizon zero dawn you got ghost of tsushima you got god of war mm-hmm. spider-man even fell into that <laughs> So it's got good uh, core. Still, still has the same loop though. Basically, yeah. Cinematic stealth and action. It's just it does have an interesting like traversal mechanic. Right. Doesn't make the most of it otherwise. Yeah. But yeah. So yeah. That's that's what Sony does now because that's at least a solidish investment. Mm-hmm. I suppose. Uh, what we're, we're talking about is the broad game. The. The broad game, rather than stuff like the Returnal thing, which is going to alienate some people. They'd rather just not alienate anyone and make the money, because that's that's the low-risk investment in this day and age. Right. I'm, I need to mute my my dis my uh, Slack because <laughs> it's coming through a lot. Give me one what's, second. So, what's Xbox doing that's different? Uh. I think just with Game Pass, they have they have a lot of different types of games that like, you're not seeing on other platforms, um, and they're you know they're uh, they're they're getting they're getting to a point where they have a lot of a lot of variety. Um, I'm not right, sh- so, they're doing, so they're doing the Netflix thing. Yeah, pretty much, and you know, and not all of them have been successful. Like you had the Bleeding Edge, which you know, Magenta, the game that you were calling out at E3. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, whatever happened to that 
it just it never caught on. I, I don't think I don't think it ever was out. going to. Yeah, yeah, it just came out and empty kid. Pretty much. Um, <laughs> that's why I got my slack all figured figured out now. Uh, It'll take your time. Yeah. So as far as like their their other upcoming games, I mean, it, it's still you know AAA stuff. A lot of RPGs coming out, racing games, shooters, whatever. But well, that's it's nice that you can define them by the genre. Mm-hmm. Can't, can't do that with Sony's exclusives, can you? Nope, not really. Right, it's nice. This is a this is a fighting game. This is a driving game. This is a shooting game. That's good. I like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that implies what I've been saying that it focuses on something. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I don't like. I don't. I think the main difference between like Sony and Microsoft is like with Microsoft, you have stuff like State of Decay Two, Sea of Thieves, which are a bit more. I don't know experimental games if you want to call right. it that at least at least in that space are and none of them are really that highly rated but they have huge player bases like see if these had over 10 million players state of decay 2 had 5 million um so I think the interesting thing with Microsoft is like they and, and maybe this might change but right now it kind of feels like they have their expectations in check they're more worried about hey are there a lot of people playing our games are they subscribing to games pass are they having fun with them they don't you need know- to be you know, now just to bring this around, it seems to me like Game Pass might be the the engine for the removal of hype. I, I think it can be, and like you see, um, even today, like that is that Accent game, which has been it's a smaller indie game, um, mm. but it's coming directly to Xbox Game Pass. And I think when you when you remove that risk of like spending seventy dollars on a game and you just subscribe to Game Pass and you can try it, then people's expectations are, are a bit more in check. Well and when you think about it, hype is all about basically making people to make the risky investment to pay the cost of the game. And if they don't have mm. to, if they're getting the game anyway, then there's no need for hype. Right. And I mean hypothetically, if it's just out there and anyone can try it, then all you have left is that the game is just good quality. Mm-hmm. And it's and people come and play it because it's good. And the mark, I think the marketing, at least from my point of view, being on the back end of this and covering this stuff, like the marketing has changed for games that are going into Game Pass. Like they're announced, they're put into Game Pass, and then let people play it and talk about it. Uh, and they and they maybe do a preview a couple months out. Like the ex- the extent was announced a while a, a while ago, but nobody's really gotten to try it. And the previews are only coming out today, and now it's coming out in July. So you have two months. Of you have you have the previews today, and now people get to play it in two months on Game Pass, and that doesn't leave you with two or three years for people to just kind of build a game in their head and and wait to play it. Like you've seen it in action, you know what it is. It's coming out. It's done. And then word of mouth takes it from there, and that that's what like you know we, we have the documentary on Spirit Fair coming up. Like that helped them a lot. Was it just launched and they didn't you know they announced it at E3 and they launched it you know half a year later. It came out. People didn't really know what it was. They played it. Word of mouth just drove the sales on it. Well, that's it, isn't it? If you've got a quality enough product, then you never need hype. <laughs> yeah, and so... So I guess, I, yeah. That's it, why one should be instantly suspicious of hype, because if the game was good, it wouldn't need it. Yeah, and I think maybe another factor of like the massive amounts of hypes for AAA games is like keeping the shareholders interested. <laughs> You know, they, they see yeah, they see those yeah. pre-order. You know, they got to drive up those pre-orders artificially, and so that the investors and the shareholders are like, okay, well, this is going to make X amount of money day one. Okay, mm. good for us. Yummy money. 
You know, there is just the worry the Game Pass will end up becoming like like television streaming turned into, where there's a lot of content that goes out on Netflix and Hulu and stuff that nobody actually watches. And all the people make it just make money through this like bizarre bureaucratic labyrinth of marketing and contracts. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, it's just shoveling shit out. I don't, I don't know if I see Game Pass going in that direction because it's, it's pretty nicely curated now. Like Steam, well, is. Steam is more for that for me. But well, quite. <laughs> but you know, everything's nicely curated till it isn't. Yeah. Well, I mean. That's that's just kind of the, the the risk with subscription services. They need to keep fresh content coming in all the time. They remove content over time. Uh, and uh, like, content, content, content. Yeah, you're gonna get you're gonna get a lot of stinkers eventually. I bet when you know they have a hundred million subscribers and you know they have to they have to keep up with that. <laughs> but of course, I grew up with the old system of TV where you you just watch a channel and watch whatever they put on there. Yeah. You, yeah, you watch 15 minutes of shows and 15 minutes of ads. <laughs> and I had sort of an equivalent for that for video games. Where they're just streaming this one particular game for half an hour, seeing what you all think. Mm. Maybe Stadia could do that. <laughs> if Stadia's around in a few months. <laughs> you don't get, I mean, with the Netflix watching just whatever you choose system, you don't get the situation where you just idly turn on the TV at four in the morning and watch something you would never have gone out of your way to watch, but just absolutely fascinates you the uh and they should do that with weird games like that star felcher's pirate thing that came out that's just completely incomprehensible but it instantly catches your attention the, the uh too much choice too much choice yeah I, I feel that with all my subscription services all the time like a there's plenty of shows I want to watch, and then I just can't decide which yeah. one I want to sit down and watch. Yeah. And just scroll down all of Netflix and then go, oh, fuck it, I'll just watch the repeat of The Great British Bake Off again. <laughs> yep, I've watched The Office like five times. Uh, but I mean, you, I mean, we already, we already have that now, though, with the insane amount of games that come out and crazy backlog numbers we have. And Wasn't there a statistic at one point that like, watching The Office accounted for something like 10% of all of Netflix's yeah. income? Yeah. Yeah, it was. <laughs> But most, I'm assuming mostly because that's an easy show to just, you know, you're eating lunch, put on for 20 minutes and be done with. Yeah. That's, that's what I, I do. I was never that into it. Shall we, shall we answer some super chats? I think we shall. And it's been a while. Remind people that Jack will be back next week. He was busy this week. So that's why I'm here. Yeah. Busy with Jack life things. Mm-hmm. He's got some amazing jet setting lifestyle we don't know about. <laughs> Okay, starting from the top, from Helga Taxtall gives 50, what I think is Norwegian kroner, to say, I think our brains are wired for hype. We want to be excited, so our brains just snowball expectations. I'm conscious of it, but still a victim to it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's fun to be excited about things. Uh, well, I guess so. I mean, that's part of the fun. Right. It's fun to be excited about something. It's fun to imagine all the wonderful things you could do in Red Dead Redemption 2 with your pooping horse. Yeah. I, and I think, uh, there's going to be a come down inevitably. Yeah, I think I think it's just, it gets a bit sinister when people, you know, get angry when their expectations aren't met uh, based on something no, they built just, in their head. Yeah. That's just people who want to live inside their own heads. Right. Like much of the American electorate. You know what? You know what reminds me of people getting... Overhyped for stuff, UFC fights. <laughs> um, 
I remember I remember it's sitting in a bar that. for four hours waiting for one of those championship fights, and that fight was over in two minutes. And I was like, I feel this this was a waste of my time. And it's like, well, <laughs> that's my fault. Yeah, and what you expecting? Like, you just watch a sports movie, then it will be all nicely edited and uh, dramatic. <laughs> yep. Or professional wrestling. I, I, that, all... I could never get into that. No, me neither. I, I, like, I, I know it's fake, so it, it, it's like, why am I watching this? But I, I get people well, like know, it for the storylines. You know a sports movie is fake. You know any fictional movie is fake. Yeah. I, I guess that's how people approach wrestling. I suppose. I don't know. When I see somebody get smacked with a chair, I kind of want to see them get smacked with a chair. <laughs> so. Well, uh, I hate to tell you about uh, porn. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Jesse Broffler, however you say that, gives five US dollars to say, would you say that hyping games are similar to movies after reading the book? The image you build in your head is always different from reality. Well, I guess there's a there's a connection there. People who watch the adaptation of a book never like it as much as the book. Uh, do you think that's another thing of like they just don't know how movies are made and you can't fit a 500 page epic into a two hour movie see i think that's your insider attitude yeah. coming out there probably people do nobody cares about that yep they want to be wowed I don't, well there's a difference between what? being wowed and also like getting every single story beat condensed into a two hour run front time well quite well that's probably why film side had been so long <laughs> yeah. after Lord of the Rings was like nine hours people saying hey people want long films now mm. we're not going to bring back intermissions in cinemas do, do they want long films we just had a four hour Snyder cut of <laughs> Justice well, well apparently people like just putting stuff on in the background I like long like hour long YouTube videos I can just put on in the background while I'm doing something because mm. uh, otherwise you just have to keep going back and playing new ones all right, so uh, then you should like a, like a game like Assassin's Creed Valhalla that keeps you going forever. Well, I do like that sort of game in the context of wanting to get something done. Okay. And have wanting to have some noise on in the background. I don't like it so much if I'm like playing it for review. Well, yeah. I mean, I ask that a game with a story, you know, engage me enough that I don't feel I need to distract myself from it. True. Uh, Dylan Kuntz gives four ninety nine US dollars to say, "Do corporations use hype to get us excited for games because it's easier to let us fantasize how good a game could be rather than making a good game?" Well, you know what they say: never attribute to malice what can easily be attributed to stupidity or laziness. I think I think you also have to separate the marketing from the game sometimes, and that just comes from yeah. Often they come from different companies. Yeah, I mean literally. <laughs> That's uh. Yeah, that's, that's, that's another my, thing you start to really learn in, when you're in games media is like you know this yeah. trailer okay it's a hype trailer don't I want to see actual yeah. gameplay that's it which so I, I think of, I think the larger communities notice that too of cinematic trailers like we don't really get a lot of CGI trailers anymore like we used to no yeah you're phrasing it like um, they're just uh, committing some kind of knowing evil mm-hmm. by using hype but really it's just Everything's done by committee, and they brought in this third-party company to do the marketing whose entire job was to get you hyped up for something, mm-hmm. and no one was really steering the ship. 
Yeah, I mean, there's they're still there to sell a product, so they have to get people excited. And most people see the TV ad and like, oh, that looks cool. I want to buy that. And that's it. They don't really think about it any further than that like we do. Mm. Physicsfox.org gives £2.22 pence, some reason, to say any tips for rough when dogs keep rough barking. Rough. Give them a treat or a bone. Well, that might help. I'll tell you what helps with Toffee, because Toffee's very bad with other dogs. I take him for a walk, and he barks at all the other dogs he sees. So what I've started doing is that when I, we see another dog, and he starts, like, locking onto them, I'll just pick him up and give him a stroke on his head and say, there's a good boy, Toffee. There's a good boy. There's my daddy's little boy. <laughs> Thus completely emasculated, he doesn't feel inclined to try and weigh his big boy trousers up at the other dog. I, or it loses his anxiety, so he doesn't feel anxious enough to bark. Whatever it's doing, it seems to work. I, I could try that, but my dog is 75 pounds, and he would probably crush okay. me. Okay, well, just like... I did, I, did learn, I did learn the other day, though, he is absolutely terrified of kites. Huh. It's funny how <laughs> arbitrary these things can be, right? Yeah. My, old dog, my old dog, Pepper, used to get really barky and anxious around people wearing high-visibility vests. Really? Yeah. Huh. I haven't really figured that out. He was a rescue dog. Maybe someone with a high visibility vest murdered his family. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> Scavenger gives 10 US dollars to say, being older, I recall hype from the 80s and 90s, but nothing to today's levels. Games get hype, games fail to please, death, death threats get sent. Of course, back then we got hype through TV and print. Well, quite. I mean, what characterizes the modern age is the new forms of communication that makes it easier to get hype to everyone whenever they need it. Yeah, I think that's the, this, that's the internet. Yeah, this stuff. I think I think this stuff always existed. You just didn't see it because we didn't have social media. <laughs> no, you just got magazine ads telling us that John Romero was going to make us his bitch. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, yeah, the more... Uh, the. The more the internet spread, the more hype got bigger, the more violent the reaction to it. Mm. Simple as that, really. Because gaming magazines used to have letters from their readers, and I'm sure they got a lot of nice stuff from that, too. Oh, remember gaming magazines with letters from readers? Remember that? I do. Somehow I'm just old enough to remember that. <laughs> yeah, I did wonder. I, I, Carly- I had Game Informer. Of course. Khalil Henoud gives 20 Canadian dollars to say, been a fan since Forever Yards, really enjoying slightly something else. Nick and Jack are my new favorite people. Ooh. More so than me, I suppose. From the way he phrased that, that's fine. I'm not jealous. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you, Nick and Jack, will all be very happy together. Uh, Dylan Kuntz. I hope that's not your real name. That's, that's probably made things difficult at school. <laughs> Dylan Kuntz gives four ninety nine US dollars to say, what's the difference between hype and just general excitement for a game? Also, super happy to finally be able to watch one live. I think, I think general excitement is kind of like what I was talking about with Halo Infinite, right? I'm, I'm, I want to play it. I'm looking forward to it, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like, it's not gonna consume my life <laughs> about guess, building this. Pop- Go ahead. Right. I guess the difference between hype and excitement is just how solid the thing you're excited for is. How corporeal. Like, if I have um, a slice of delicious cake in the fridge, I'm excited to eat that cake later, 
I wouldn't say I'm hyped for it. But if, if like, I don't have a cake in the fridge, but someone says they might put cake in the fridge at some point in the future, and it's going to be the tastiest cake I've ever eaten, <laughs> that's where it starts turning into hype. Yeah. When there's less corporeal understanding of what's actually physically in existence. That, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> I'll think All about right the then. next time I order a piece of cheesecake. <laughs> Clutch45 gives $5 to say, does overhype ultimately create QAnon? In a world of continuously broken promises, how can institutions prevail over conspiracy theories? Solutions? Well, that's something I was thinking earlier that I didn't actually say. That there's, <laughs> I think you can draw a lot of comparisons between the people getting overexcited on the internet mm. and those same people on the internet who have now bought into the aforementioned conspiracy theories. Yeah. Uh, I don't I don't know what you do about that. I'm, I think like most things in society, the root is education. If you just treat if you just teach people to be more critical in their thinking, this sort of thing will die off a bit. But uh with America's underfunded public schools, I don't think that's gonna happen anytime soon. Yeah, well, it's, I, I made a tweet about that a while back. Like, media literacy should be something that's taught at the elementary level. Yeah. <laughs> when you have all this access to information online and social media and everything, by the time you're, like, five years old now, like, you can get indoctrinated pretty quick if you don't know how to read through this stuff. Yeah, I was reading something the other day about how social media brought all these, like, parents and old people who didn't grow up with the internet the way we did mm -hmm. and who didn't sort of learn to mentally filter out things like... Uh, the truthness of things right yeah it's uh i mean you you have a baby girl now and you know getting getting to that age where i'm gonna be looking to start a family and that's like the thing i'm thinking about a lot is like man like what 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 age do i give my kid access to a cell phone like i don't i see i work on twitter every day i don't want him or her to be in that <laughs> Well, thankfully, my daughter is still at the stage where she just likes the glowy screen with the funny <laughs> colors moving things. So just put her on Candy Crush and that's it. <laughs> uh, we just, you know, we're trying to, we're gonna, even now we're trying to keep the screen time to a sensible level. She gets yeah. an hour of Sesame Street before bed. Hmm. And that's all she's really interested in at the moment. Yeah, it's going to be, that's going to be interesting for people like us and so involved in media and games and everything. Watching our kids, kids grow up days. with that. I think kids these days are going to grow up completely immersed in the internet. So I think I'm I'm optimistic. I think kids are going to be are going to naturally learn what part of the internet uh, to believe and what not by being immersed in it from the beginning. They're going to have better internet instincts than any of us had because they they've been in it right from the start. Uh, I don't know. I think all you got to do is look at TikTok and you're like. Eh. <laughs> a little concerned because <laughs> hell i mean half a lot of people i grew up with still are woefully misinformed about a lot of things <laughs> well maybe they haven't been on the internet enough then that, <laughs> i grew that's up my diagnosis the solution to internet poisoning is more internet I, so you like, immunize yourself i i grew up when we still when we had the cell phones where you had to pay to get on the internet and you had iPhone or iPod Touch or not iPod? Uh, oh man, I don't even remember what it's called. iPod Shuffle, and then we got the the iPod Touch, and 
social media started blowing up with MySpace and everything, and things kind of went downhill from there. I think. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think less the internet and more social media. Yeah, is what's messed everything up. Yep. Because when you when you get tons of people online with opinions that aren't fact checked, you never really know what's true anymore. All right, scavenger again gives ten US dollars to say so. Actual game gets hyped, game disappoints, ninety percent of player base drops, Steam issues refunds, employees get fired. But that's every game, regardless of hype. How can there be actual consequences? Mm. Well, well, there's never going to be consequence for the CEOs, is there? No, that's the way it's set up. What about the, what about <laughs> I mean, the indie space? Well, broaden that out. How can yeah. anyone have consequences? Turns out you can lie all the way to the presidency and nothing will happen to you. <laughs> That's true. What a scary thought. <laughs> this podcast is going in a bad direction. Oh, dear. Well, like I said, for me, I think it's all rooted in education. Yeah. People just need to think a bit more. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. it. Stop stop listening to everything you hear on social media. <laughs> Think for yeah. yourself. All right. Okay. All the games says, is hype short term since most hype is followed by pre-order now statements? It seems hard to sustain hype before new hype comes along to replace it. Well, I think it's just the fact that hype stops existing the instant the product comes out. Because mm-hmm. that's all hype is. It's the stuff that hypes up the product and once it's out and it can exist and inconvenient reality takes over all the hype goes away and everyone just stops talking about it all right so answer me this then what were you like before you started zero punctuation with games what was i like before (laughs) well i was pretty uh poor okay so at that point i had to like be careful how i spent my money so i just bought games that i knew were fairly universally lauded oh yeah all right, that explains that. So you you really never did you really never got into the hype machine then? No, no, I went from poverty to being a game reviewer. So yeah, never read never really game got... magazines or anything. Just kind of no, I read game magazines, but I always like preferred reading the negative reviews because they tended to be funnier. Oh, that's uh, probably oh, that's how right. I got. It's probably part of my sinister origin story. Yeah, because you said in the uh, the documentary shot on you. Who who's that inspiration that you really liked? Charlie Brooker. Charlie Brooker, who now writes like the Black Mirror series. That makes but, so much uh, sense. Back, <laughs> back in the day, back in the day when I was a kid, for video game magazines mm-hmm. and video game journalism in the UK tended to have a very cynical, in jokey sort of tone to it, mm-hmm. and it was a bit punk as well. It was less, well, it was less mainstream generally back then. Yeah. So a lot of the video game magazines could be very irreverent, and uh, I used to enjoy that. We're going we're gonna to have to do an episode where you and I just talk about how games criticism has evolved over <laughs> the last 20 well, years. Well, it certainly has evolved, but yeah. It, there wasn't much hype going on in the video game magazines that I used to read. Yeah. Some weird comic strips about Lara Croft murdering her way through a zoo. Mm-hmm. But not much hype. All right, where was I? Uh, Loco Baxter. Oh, no, I missed one. 2C Phoenix gives uh, nine ninety nine to say, currently Silk Song oh, is the most exciting thing on the... 
Currently, Silksong is the most exciting thing on the horizon for me. I'd be curious to know, Yati, if you've ever felt the sultry thrill of irrational hype, and if so, what for? Yeah, that's the that's the question we just answered. That's why I asked about you growing up with games and if you ever got hyped for them. Not really for games. I was kind of hyped for the season finale of Gotham because they showed they were going to have the Penguin and the Riddler in like their actual costumes. Hmm. But I was kind of disappointed in the end. It sounds like Game of Thrones. <laughs> Probably. I used to be really into Game of Thrones, and then like, then then like the last season happened. All right. I was pretty hyped for that most of the time. Yeah, it's it, it's got to be. I don't know why I latched onto the Gotham TV series. I just kind I just liked how they did the like Riddler and Penguin in that. Mm-hmm. Them Batman villains. I thought it was fun. You know, you know, it's like be scary for me to be in game development. Is like have that level of hype for something and not meet those expectations. And then, I mean, the cyberpunk devs went through it in real time. Like we saw it happen on social media where they didn't, well, they didn't meet those expectations and like just the level of stress and things like that's one of the consequences of it. I think too, is like just the, the yeah. mental dismay that comes well, from play, not doing that. And AAA design, the responsibilities spread out so much. You can probably get away with it. Right. Just move on to a different company. People only really remember that such and such company did something. They don't remember that such and such person did something anymore. Yeah, well, that was like I mean, that was the big thing behind Outriders, right? Because a lot of the key right. talent that was there for Bulletstorm well, are exactly. now they at the new had, studio. Exactly, they just had the name people can fly. But yeah. who was the actual director of that game? I don't know. Most people don't. They just know it was why people can fly. Yeah, that's one of those. That's one of those marketing things where. And like having done the documentaries and speaking with developers about that, that I really don't like is that it's a studio name. And it's like that studio may have had 50 people that worked on a game that are no longer there anymore. So that studio doesn't have the same, you know, it's just a name at that point. And so like people, people get super hyped about stuff like that too. Like when a game is announced and it's like, Oh, by the developers of, well, who are the developers of? Yeah, exactly. Of course, the last time an actual name put out a game, it was uh, Balan Wonderworld by Yuji Naka. So perhaps the less said about that, the better. <laughs> yeah. Or Hideo Kojima games. Yeah. Well, that's that's the other interesting part that, about that too, is like when people do attach their name directly to a project like Hideo Kojima, mm. there's a bunch of different expectations around that too. Yeah. I wouldn't say like... Would you say Death Stranding was a disappointment? I can't I can't say it was for me because I didn't have really an expectation for it. Like I think it's I an interesting think, game, but I don't think people had any expectation for that because no one really knew what it was gonna be. In the right. End. Yeah. That's just what Hideo Kojima does. He confuses people. Yeah. I mean I think it's a very divisive game now where you have people yeah. that absolutely love it and people that absolutely hate it, and then people like me are like, I don't know how I feel about it. <laughs> Your pronunciation's weird. Probably. You say divis- you say divisive instead of divisive, and you say Hideo Kojima instead of Hideo. You're all, you're all over the place, man. I blame it on the Midwest. <laughs> don't have an accent. We say things how they sound. <laughs> uh, no, you don't. Then you just have a <laughs> you just have a received pronunciation accent. True. Hideo Kojima. <laughs> uh, Loco Baxter gives five US dollars to say, "I like game video game good." Bye. Well, thanks for your money, Loco Baxter. That's most YouTube comments. 
Ian Cassidy gives 10 US dollars to say, I wonder if the modern dearth of medium budget games is helping drive the modern hype cycle because modern AAA dev cycles are so absurdly long for new IPs. Well, as you say, that might be part of the uh, Xbox Game Pass thing where we start seeing a resurgence of the mid-range stuff just because it's easier to get it out to people. And just because AAA is sort of burnt out. Yeah, uh, well, again... this is a good question for the game that's coming up that we're looking at. Possibly, yes, that we can't talk about because of embargoes. I was thinking about uh, back in Brisbane, the local games industry there, because there used to be a whole bunch of like big studios in Brisbane Mm -hmm. that I used to hang out with now and then. We had like Pandemic and THQ and Chrome. And um, it used to be a pattern that every now and again, one of them would just go down. And every time it happened, there'd be a big resurgence in local indie groups because all the all the team members would split off into little indie groups and work on their own projects. I, I think that's still happening now. I mean, we have there's more indie AA publishers now than there ever was before. Uh, hmm. A lot of like No More Robots and uh, oh man, there's I can't think of all the names. I mean, like Focus Homes kind of in that group. Uh, Platinum, Deep Silver. Uh, Deep Deep Silver's more AAA. I mean, they're they're part of THQ now, and they're. I mean, they they have so right, many different studios. Right. Um, Deep, yeah, I guess, yeah. Deep Silver used to be more mid range, I think. Yeah, but you've got you've got a lot of. I can't I can't think of all the names right now, but I mean, I, I can think of probably seven indie publishers that have st- popped up in the last five years. Uh, mm. there's, there's quite a few of them. Calhoun uh, Knights is a, a big one, and they're they're funded Spirit Fair and other. Uh, you know, they're funding their next project or two and a bunch of other games. That reminds me, I need to talk to you about if I should approach a publisher to publish Starstruck Vagabond at some point. I've been feeling like that might be the way to go. Could be. This Seems like there's so many indie publishers these days, you can probably find someone. Yeah, I'm, I'm more than confident you would find somebody. <laughs> I just want someone to do all that bloody boring stuff. You know, submit it to things. And put marketing out there. <laughs> I can't, I, cause I tried going it myself with like consuming shadow and I mm-hmm. just couldn't ask with any of that stuff. I was working with the producer and he was saying, you've got to make a website. And I was like, I don't want to, <laughs> I want to just make a game and put it out and everyone likes it and gives me prizes. Yeah. I did. I did like three months of, uh, an internship for PR before I got the job at escapist and doing game of stuff and lots of data, lots of annoying stuff to go through. Mm. Wouldn't want to be doing that and developing a game at the same time. Mm. And creating content for the escapist. <laughs> oh, yes. Mustn't forget that. Yeah. Uh, da, 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 da. Yes. Morning Thinker gives 125 PHP, which I think might be Filipino money. Says, tried Armored Core, FromSoft's pre-Souls cash cow. Great core gameplay and music, always hit by inept level design and storytelling. Be wary of Elden Ring. Okay then, I haven't tried Armored Core. Have you played Armored Core? I've tried them, I never really got into them. Okay then. Dylan Kuntz, again, gives 4 to say, yes, it's my real name, and yes, it did make school kind of difficult. <laughs> well, I assumed as much. <laughs> I bet the uh, morning check-in was always fun. <laughs> yes. Is Dylan Cunts here? Where's Dylan Cunts? 
Canty cunt. Your name is cunt. <laughs> and now the internet will laugh at you too. Um, Seems some people in the chat are asking if Devolver Digital's AAA. I think uh, Jack and I had that conversation where like, pe- people like get all up in arms about like AAA and it's like tri- AAA just means the amount of budget behind a project. That's all that yeah, is mean. Yeah. And so that's why like yeah. we're getting quadruple A's games now because the budget's even higher. <laughs> yep. Devolver's uh, still indie in my book. Mm-hmm. In that most of their games are pixel art and excessively violent. Devolver, Devolver Digital's fun to watch though because they are funding higher tier projects now like shadow warrior 3 is looks almost triple a level to me hmm. and it seems like they're still you know they like having fun <laughs> a lot of publishers just don't seem to like having fun mm-hmm. and finally this is the last one no more super chats please to see phoenix gives 499 us dollars to say i bet if a trailer opened with a game by lucas pope that would get yards pretty hyped well i better fess up to that one yes it probably would well, at least to the extent where I would all definitely keep my eye on when that game was coming out so I could play it. And then I would make then I would formulate an opinion on it. You'd be excited for it, but I don't like you wouldn't I don't think you'd be hyped for it because it's not like you're going out on Twitter and like, I gotta have to buy Lucas Pope's next game or I have to you know, this this is gonna no, be the best game not. ever. So I think that's like where the distinction comes in between being excited for something or not, or if you're overly hyped for it. Or like overly like, hyped for it is Every time something's announced, you're going on Twitter, like a lot of the influencers do, and it's like, look yeah, at this new they, piece of news. Yeah. Look at this, look at this, look at this. And it's like, and anyone <laughs> presents any sort of critical thing, you just go, like, stop the hate. Why are you got to be a hater? Mm-hmm. You're stifling creativity and shit. Yep. If, a new, if Lucas Webb announced a new game, I would go so far to say is that I would definitely play it. Because, yeah, I think. Uh, like we've we've had Paris Lily on the Escapist show, and he's he's gotten some criticism because like he was very hyped for Cyberpunk twenty seven, and he and he made no secret of it. Like he was excited for it, uh, and he built up a lot of his audience around his excitement for that. Uh, mm. And when the game came out and didn't reach expectations, a lot of people are coming after him mm. because like he had he had gotten so many people hyped, and so that's kind of like why you have to be careful about you know yes, how much attention yes. you're giving to a, a product like that. Because then you get associated with such product, and when it fails, you get a brunt of that too, because you well, misled yeah, people. I mean, yeah, the disciples of Jesus didn't have a happy time after Jesus got crucified either. <laughs> I remember that. It's true. Right? <laughs> I think we're going there with that, but sure. Well, that's all the super chats, and I think it's time to wrap this up so I can walk my dog. Look how frisky and excited he is for his walk. This is the joke I do at the end of every podcast now. <laughs> hey, Max. I think Max is laying in my room asleep, so. <laughs> but, uh, yes. So, thanks, thanks for watching Stroke Listening to Slightly Something Else. Jack wasn't here this week. I know a lot of you were thrown by that. But, you know, Jack's got a life. He's too important for you, plebs. <laughs> so, I, Yati Crozier, was joined by Nick Calandra. Yes, you were. That's my name. And Jack will be back next week. And uh, don't forget that you can now find slightly something else over on Anchor instead of SoundCloud. If you try to visit SoundCloud, it should redirect you to Anchor. And due to Anchor, you can now find the audio version of this podcast on a bunch of other platforms that you couldn't before. I reached my hand up Toffee's skirt and he's looking very nonplussed. I didn't I didn't see that he was wearing anything until right now. <laughs> he's wearing an adorable plaid sweater and you love him. 
chat chat certainly does <laughs> okay thanks for listening everyone follow us all on twitter at yahtzee crucial thanks for the super chats it's partly how we're able to work without chasing algorithms the whole time it is indeed uh, and don't forget to join the escapers plus or youtube membership and all of that pl- plug stuff just give us all your money please that'd be lovely and you also be back tomorrow with marty for post cp Ooh, certainly will and right. also zero punctuation yes remember that that's the important part cool well bye